you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks. And Zach Beck told. And today we have a, a returning guest, friend of the podcast, uh, the right holy reverend Matt Rawl. Yes. <laughs> Did I get yes. that right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's pastor in uh, Asbury United Methodist Church in Bozier City, uh, Louisiana. Uh, we had Matt on before to talk about um, the gift of the Nutcracker, uh, yeah. an Advent book. And you've got a new book coming out uh, that we're going to talk about here shortly. Um, but Matt, thanks for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was it was great fun last time, uh, and I hope to keep that bar going this time. Of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> since then, Matt and I have lowered the bar significantly. So, <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> just yeah. uh, just step on over. <laughs> great. Well, you uh, you wrote a book, a, a new one called "The Grace of Les Mis." Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that and and why you wrote it. How you know all that good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Les Mis Rob was my favorite musical uh, in high school. Uh, I was a musical junkie. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I had the, the chance to see the show in Dallas, uh, which is about three hours east of, of three hours west of, of where we are here in Bossier. And one of my, interesting story, one of my former youth, when I was a youth director, was the conductor for the show. So I you know, got connected with him and he gave us a backstage tour after the show, which was really cool. And you know, on the way home, uh, I texted some folks at, As- at, at Abingdon I said, this would make a really great study, right? Because Les Miserables, it's, it's a story about grace. You know, it's not built, and this is kind of my, my deal, right? It's, it's not built as a Christian work, uh, but, but there are Christian themes throughout the whole thing. Um, and, and fundamentally, the story is about what happens when grace and justice collide. Uh, because we talk about God as a God of love and a God of grace, but also a God of justice. Um, but what happens when those two things inhabit the same space at the same time uh can you have grace and justice both working uh together are they are they counter to each other um and that's really fundamentally what the book is about because you have a guy like jean valjean uh who's the main character of the story and he uh embodies the idea of grace of what it means to be redeemed but then you have uh police inspector javert uh who is the antithesis right he's he's the um, antagonist in the story and he represents this sense of unwavering justice and the whole of the book is seeing them wrestle it out of like whose paradigm is going to win um so you know valjean it starts with valjean uh, and the chapters are divided according to these different ideas so chapter one is about grace the nature of grace chapter two is about uh javert and, and justice chapter three is about poverty uh because poverty is kind of its own character in the book it kind of unites everybody together um, chapter four is about love, uh, with this character of Marius and Cosette. Chapter five is about revolution, uh, because at the, the end of the book, you have, uh, the friends of the ABC who are trying to overthrow the government. And, um, as Christians, how do we understand revolution? And then, uh, the last chapter, which is interesting. The last chapter is different than all the others, uh, because there's another character in the book, uh, and it's the role of gardens in the book. Um, and, and that, that holy place of, of a garden is throughout the, almost anything that's important that happens in a book happens in a garden in, in the story. And 
uh, and I've always said I've had the awesome responsibility of giving the Bible a title. Uh, it would be the tale of three gardens. You know, they have the Garden of Eden, and then the Garden of Gethsemane and the Garden Tomb, and then ultimately the the urban garden at the end of the story when there's a new Jerusalem, right? And the Tree of Life is in the middle, and and you see that play out through the whole book. Um, but I love how you know the story begins. Valjean is uh, he stole a loaf of bread to feed his family. And he originally is sentenced to five years, but he gets 19 years in, in prison because he keeps trying to escape. Uh, and the musical portrays Valjean as this character who is redeemed and he's heroic and he never makes a bad decision, but that's not the case in the book. Uh, he's, he's kind of a rascal in the book and it, it, he's like an addict who has to constantly choose the good uh, throughout the story. You know, his, his redemption takes the whole story, or as I like to say, he was convicted earlier in the story, uh, but his conversion really doesn't happen uh, until the very, very end. And that's a very uh, kind of Wesleyan way to look at uh, sanctification, right? It, it's, though it can happen at once, right? We've, we've read the people called Methodists. Uh, it it can't all happen at once, uh, but it usually takes a lifetime uh, to figure that out. I love uh, at the beginning of the story where uh, a priest takes Valjean in uh, and uh, Monsieur Bienvenu is his name. Uh, and he takes Valjean in and he gives him all this stuff and Valjean repays him by stealing all of his silver and sneaking out at night, right? Cause he's a criminal like this is, uh, and he's apprehended by the police. The police bring him back uh, to the priest's house and the priest lies to the police. Uh, he goes, no, he didn't steal the silver. I gave it to him as a gift. Oh, and you forgot, here's some candlesticks too. You know, uh, you, for, you left these behind cause you left so quickly. And that really sets the tone for how Valjean understands ethics. Um, his freedom was bought with a lie, uh, kind of this very Dietrich Bonhoeffer way of truth telling, right? You know, if, if I'm harboring Jews and a Nazi knocks on my door and asks me if I'm harboring Jews, I'm going to say no. <laughs> and that's not breaking a commandment, you know? Uh, so that really sets the tone for Valjean's struggle. You know, it, it'd be easy to choose the good if the good was obvious. Um, and that's what he wrestles with with the entire story of how to choose the good. Like I said, he's like an addict every day making that conscious decision. And he, does, he doesn't always get it right uh, throughout the story. But I love how the story begins with an ethical dilemma. Uh, it's not the St. Augustine where the truth is the truth and a lie is a lie. Um, it's this truth telling is that which is life giving. Uh, and that plays out uh, through the whole story. So that's where it begins. And I love wrestling with those ethical dilemmas. You know, uh, he, 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 is, he is offered grace through a lie. And what does that mean in our, in our, Christian, in our Christian story, you know? Um, so he starts a life and he, and he becomes the mayor. Uh, and this is when uh, Javert uh, jumps into the story. Javert is the police chief. He's looking for Valjean. He knows he's out there. Uh, and he finally connects with him in a city called Montreuil, where Valjean is the mayor of the city. And uh, Javert is actually under him uh, in terms of class and status. And that messes with Javert's head, right? Because Javert grew up in a prison. Like we all react to adversity in different ways. Uh, Valjean reacts to adversity by, by trying to do the good. Javert reacts to adversity by uh, offering order. Like that's his game, man. Uh, God brings order to chaos. Uh, so when things get chaotic, Javert gets really... It messes with his brain, messes with his worldview. 
Um, and he, for Javert, he has this very clear black and white understanding of what justice is. There is right and there is wrong. Criminals cannot be redeemed. So it messes with him when Valjean is the mayor and outranks him. Like that's not supposed to happen. Um, and so, and I love talking about how grace and justice can actually be the same thing. Uh, a story I lift up uh, in, in the book is uh, Jesus uh, standing before the woman that was caught in adultery and how both grace and justice exist in that same place. You know, there's, there's great grace in that Jesus says, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Is there no one to condemn you? Well, then neither do I, you know, go and sin no more. But there's also great justice in Jesus reminding them that it is not just for the guilty to pass judgment on the guilty. Or what's probably more accurate is those who have power uh, to take advantage of those who don't. Regardless of someone, if someone did something right or wrong, those with power to lord it over them, right? Because there was only one, it takes two to tango, my friends. And, and there was only one person who was brought uh, uh, there. And, and Jesus reminds them, and, and, and they get it, right? They walk away. They put their stones down and they walk away. Uh, you know, is, is the priest lying to the police? Is that just? Um, it certainly is graceful. Uh, anyway, so, so you have these two characters, Valjean and Javert, who kind of duke it out in terms of their world vision. And Javert eventually starts tracking Valjean down by putting on a disguise. So while Valjean is like growing into, as Wesley into, it's a growing into perfection, right? Uh, this redeemed life, making good decisions and sin has lost its grip on him. Uh, Valjean is very different. He starts to slip and downward spiral. Uh, and it reminds me of this story. Oh, this is a fantastic story. Uh, it's in First Samuel. Uh, it's called Samuel's Ghost and the Witch of Endor. Uh, that is not in the lectionary for obvious reasons because it's weird. It's a weird story, man. So um, uh, it's great. So Saul, who's, who's the king, right? He goes out in, into the woods and uh, he, he asks his men to go find a medium, which is interesting because Saul has expelled all of them. Um, but they find one, which means that Saul enacted a law that no one followed. So he's completely impotent in terms of his, le his leadership. Right. So he finds this medium in the woods and he says, Con conjure Samuel's ghost for me. Uh, so she does like, this is wicked in this. Like, where is Samuel coming from? Like, is it Sheol? Is it heaven? Is it like, what is this? So this ghost comes up from the ground and it says that, you know, before Saul went into the woods, uh, he put on other clothing is what the English says. But in the Hebrew, that actually means treachery. He puts on treachery. Uh, he loses all of his authority. He puts on these other clothes and, uh, and Samuel's ghost does not give him a good word, man. <laughs> he says <laughs> he says you and your sons will be with me tomorrow mm -hmm. like how ominous is that um and and that's true man they they lost to the philistines big time right. you know, it's kind of like clemson and lsu at the national <laughs> championship it just it was handed to them man and and the right people won i guess um so you uh, worked that in perfectly <laughs> <laughs> that's what i do baby that's what i do you know. Mark, so mark that at 23 minutes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Bring that up. Um, See, so, yeah, so, so Javert like starts sneaking around and disguise and he starts to become what he's been fighting against. Right. And, and how old is that story? Right. You know, it's like Luke going to the dark side, you know, uh, uh, is, is it, or no, it's, um, oh, what is that? Um, uh, is it Spider-Man? No, Batman. 
you uh, you either see yourself die a hero or live long enough to become the villain, right? And that's yeah. what's happening in Les Mis. That's what's happening. And it's a reminder of us, of, of this conversation between means and ends, mm-hmm. right? Uh, do the means ever, ju- does the end ever justify the means, right? It's, man, Les Mis is a fantastic story of wrestling with this, with this kind of stuff. Eventually, Javert is captured uh, at the barricades because he's literally in disguise and Valjean lets him go. Uh, because Valjean has finally started to receive an understanding of what grace is, mm. right? Taking Javert's life is not is not worth it. Uh, life is precious, and he lets Valjean or he lets Javert go, but Javert cannot live in that world. Like Valjean is a criminal; he can never be redeemed. There is only right. There is only wrong. According to that worldview, Valjean should take his life, but he mm-hmm. doesn't. He lets him go, mm. but. Javert cannot live with that, and he eventually throws himself off a bridge uh, and and dies, commits suicide uh, in the story. Uh, and there's so much in that, there's so much in that story about despair and uh, because we are so uncomfortable uh, with learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love what we've been taught. Uh, it is a security blanket, and when that is turned upside down, uh, we have a very tough time wrestling with that. You know, it's like when you say, because, uh, oh, man, one of my one of my pet peeves is, is when, like, after a sermon, someone will catch me in the narthex and, uh, and, and they'll say something like, you know, well, I've always been taught that Jonah meant, you know, fill in the blank. Right. You know, right. And part of the problem is we stopped reading the Bible after vacation Bible school, you know, mm-hmm. at, like right around the time when your brain is ready to accept extended metaphor. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these things. Is when we stop reading the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy, you know, and I'll say things like, you know, Jonah is a story uh, to, te- you know, we missed, we missed the point of this, of, of Jonah, if we try to work out right. physiologically how he lived in the belly of a fish. Uh, yeah, we, we argue too much about days. fish or a whale or, like, you heck? know, how do you do this, right? Oh my gosh. And, and Jonah <laughs> is this great, oh man, Jonah is this yes. great example of, of absurdity. It's an absurd mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are these markers all along the way. Like, um, so <laughs> I love it. He's in the belly of the fish and he has this, this great prayer, like, God, you, you, you save everyone and, and, and you're so awesome and you're so good. And God's response to that is the fish vomits him up on the shore of Nineveh. <laughs> right, like, right. Great prayer, Jonah. <laughs> you know, just, there you go. That's, that's God's opinion of, of, that, of that prayer. And it says that, that so Nineveh is a three-day journey across. Mm-hmm. He, he goes in one day. He walks one day into the city. So he doesn't even get to Main Street. Like he doesn't even get to downtown. And he gives the shortest prophecy in all of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, six days time you're going to burn or, yep. or whatever it is, like turn or burn, you know? Yep. Uh, and it works. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, he's the most pathetic, but also the most successful uh, prophet in the entire Old Testament. And like the entire city, uh, uh, they wear sackcloth and ashes. They even put it on the livestock, which is absurd. Right. To see chickens <laughs> running around with sackcloth. That's crazy. But the real absurdity, so this is fantastic. So Jonah lives, leaves the city and uh, he finds out that they've, like, they've converted. And he's like, what? But instead of saying, like, great job, God, like, I know that you are, you are slow to anger and abounding steadfast love, he walks to the other side of the city. Mm-hmm. Three days journey. He walks to the other side. He couldn't be bothered to walk that far to actually do what God was telling him to do. But to serve right. himself, he walked to the other side of the city. Like that's absurd. What a terrible prophet. <laughs> he's, he's, right. awful. he's 
he's the Scrooge of the Old Testament, man. He's just, he's right. terrible. <laughs> you know? and, and he sits there like, I'm just, I know God's going to come to his senses. So I'm just going to wait here and, and wait for the city to explode. Right. Uh, and, and, and the way the story, you know, ends again, it's just, it's hilarious. It's this mm-hmm. Jonathan Swift, modest proposal kind of the story, you know, and, and uh, God says, no, uh, I, I have forgiven them uh, and the livestock also. That's literally how it ends. And the livestock too. Like yep. that's just, if you're not laughing at the end of that story, like right. you're, you're missing the whole point, you know, if you have to explain a joke, then you've missed right. the point of the joke, right? right. <laughs> Which by the way, fun fact, I finally had, you know, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side explained to me okay. why that's funny. Uh, why did the chicken cross? He wants to be hit by a car. He wants to get to the other side. Uh, not the other side of the road. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah. wants to get to the afterlife. Right. Wow. That's funny, right? It's yeah, good stuff. Like, yeah. like, I feel like I've learned something today. Yeah. <laughs> it's very There's a lot of play there. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's so meta, man. It is, it is. so meta. It is. Why did the and, chicken cross the road? And that will definitely preach um, in its own right. Yeah. So, so as you, <laughs> so so with this uh, uh, book that you have out uh, on the gospel uh, or the grace of Les Miserables, um what like if a church was looking to implement this when would be a good season within the church calendar to do that if a church follows the church calendar yeah uh, lent is really an ideal time to do it you could do it at any time right uh, but it's also it's it's intentionally divided into six chapters right for the six weeks of lent we intentionally use the last week to talk about uh the tale of three gardens right especially the garden of gethsemane and the garden tomb uh, and is this uh journey because Lent is uh, appropriately a, a heavy time, right? It's, it's searching your own soul, you know, preparing for resurrection, uh, where you're really kind of following Jean Valjean's journey uh, from criminal to redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really helpful to do during the season of Lent. Um, so, I mean, I would recommend, I mean, you could read it at any time uh, and your church could do it at any time. <laughs> but, but ideally, Lent is, is a really appropriate time to, to jump into it. Um, in, in terms of worship, too, there's a lot of even musical things that you can do in worship based on the musical. And I mean, one of the great songs uh, in, in the musical is uh, Bring Him Home. You know, God on high, hear my prayer. You know, and it's so fantastic. So Lent is really the ideal time. Uh, to do it, divide it into six chapters. Uh, it makes it really easy, especially if you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love trying to make things easy for clergy, right? That, that's my <laughs> life, man. Right. Uh, and it has, you know, uh, sermon starters, graphics that you can share. It's divided into six weeks. There's a leader guide. There's a youth study guide mm-hmm. uh, so that the youth can do it. Uh, and it's really, we try to make it very, very easy for the entire church to, to participate uh, in this. And then, and you look like a pro, man. Like you order... Right order this stuff and you have graphics ready to go and a sermon outlined already. Uh, and you look like super with it. Um, when I know that we're not. <laughs> well, and, and I know like, that's what I appreciated about, uh, the gift of the nutcracker. You had all that stuff available for us. Um, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, just be able to share that and utilize that. And, 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 that, and it's a great resource that that's put out there for, for churches that are looking for something that can be um, easy, easily handled and maybe something you don't have to reinvent the wheel on. Um, yeah, man, there's, think, there's plenty to do during Lent, uh, yeah. especially Holy <laughs> right. Week. You know, there, there's, there's enough, man, to, to, to make it easy on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, us, let us do the heavy lifting for you. you. You created some videos for this too, right? Yeah, there's, there's a DVD too. And let me tell you, um, the DVD is, is super. 
Right. Um, they, they brought out the fancy cameras for this one. Nice. Uh, so I'm super excited about it. Uh, shot on location, uh, track cam. It's, uh, it's, it's really super. The DVD is easy uh, uh, to use because it, it gives, gives the highlights and it helps the folks who are leading a small group discussion. Uh, gives them one leg up in terms of facilitating that. Right. Uh, you'd also now get it digitally with uh, Amplify Media, which is super helpful. Yep. It's right there. It's one click away. In fact, our, our church, we've moved to digital uh, mm -hmm. products. Uh, our Sunday school classes now have wireless. Our teachers feel really well equipped, especially when it's Saturday night and mm -hmm. it's eight o'clock and they're like, oh no, I'm right. teaching tomorrow. <laughs> and the lesson is on the wrestling of grace and justice. Like, are you kidding me? Right. So right. at home, man, they just log in, click the button, and there it is. Uh, and it's, it's, we want to make it easy and fruitful. You know? Yeah. And, and that, was, that was almost the point I was getting at, to have a shameless plug for Amplify. Because uh, <laughs> you're on there. We have some stuff on there. <laughs> yeah. It's helpful, man. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Um, I've heard a lot of good, good feedback, had some good feedback of my own. Uh, yeah. So no, that's, I, I love that we're moving moving in that direction where we can, where we're including all, all things, right? All ways of people learning and teaching uh, from top to bottom. Use what you want, use what you need uh, and leave the other stuff aside. It's fine, you know, yep, but exactly. uh, we, we've, we're starting to get less linear in how we're doing, doing these things, writing books, uh, doing sermon studies, doing Bible studies, well, we're creating all these we're, we're, we're not just creating a product, we're creating an environment, right? right? Yeah, an absolutely. ecosystem, uh, because uh, with everything, man, everything is changing and changing right. very, very quickly, right. just in the way that we do shopping and, and discussions right. and commerce, you know, all, this, all these things. And, yeah, and when you take a look at, well, I, I got to talk about grace and justice at the same piece, where do I even start, right? And to have not only your resources, resources there, but others, uh, to dig into and, and hopefully find helpful, you know, just find more pieces of information that sources your trust. and Right. And it, it's helpful for churches because it, it's, okay, well, let's study, uh, uh, let's see, let's dive into justice a little bit more or whatever. Right. You can literally search justice uh -huh. instead of, uh, I mean, much love to Cokesbury representatives, right? And the right. live chat, feature, which, which yeah. I use, you can yeah. do that on your own and get it and literally cl click a button and look at it in real time instead of waiting uh, for a couple mm -hmm. days for a book to come in that has been recommended and then you have mm -hmm. to postpone for a week because you didn't get it in time for Sunday and right uh, so it's really helpful and it, it helps us uh, I think as a church one it's super important for us to get a good narrative out mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. we fundamentally are storytellers uh, yeah. and we need to get that story out and it helps us to create a whole ecosystem and an environment uh, to better to better reach people you know I've, I'm, right. I'm fascinated I'm fascinated with the cultural church is weird yeah. Church, the, the act of the act of going to church is weird. <laughs> it is. I haven't been with my entire family to the grocery store. Uh, we uh, we order our stuff on. I have four kids. Like that's right. impossible yep. to get everybody together to go to the store. I, I literally can't remember the last time we all went to the Kroger together. You know, to get milk. It's just yeah. it's exhausting. And then there's the <laughs> checkout line with like all of the chocolate <laughs> yeah. stuff. And that's right. You have to be a jerk to your kids and say that's no, right. and then they hate you for a day. And that's right. Um, so like we don't do a lot of brick and mortar things mm -hmm. anymore. But then here we have church, and we're expecting young families of four to like get everybody dressed and get to the church. To, in other words, the church is still very much in kind of this uh, industrial revolution mode because the mm -hmm. industrial age. Mm -hmm. was effective when everyone was there all at the same time. Right. That's how it worked, right? If somebody was missing on the factory line, the product didn't get made. 
you know, and that's still in a lot of cases how church is organized. You need everybody there all at the same place at the same time. We've gotten better at things like obviously like podcasting and live streaming uh, and these kind of things. So we're starting to just now figure it out that we're asking families and I say families because that's just my, my stage, right? That's just kind of, yeah. I'm immersed in it, like 24 flipping hours a day mm-hmm. of, of, of this, the, the, the age and stage. And we're still, we're expecting people to do what they're not doing anywhere else, right. uh, becoming right. a tall order, uh, this, this brick and mortar kind of, kind of experience when you have the Amazons of the world and, and Netflix uh, and these mm-hmm. kind of things that's changing the game. And, and what is our response to that? Um, how, how do we, how do we, you know, when, when Uber is the biggest taxi service but owns no cars, Amazon is the big, biggest mar- marketplace and has no stores or few stores. They're now a couple yeah, of stores, a couple, yeah. um, which is really cool. You just like walk in and grab stuff and leave. So you get this real, you get this feeling that you're stealing something, which is kind of right. cool and fun and exciting. <laughs> um, but you know, kids don't listen to Pastor Matt. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so like the, this whole this whole environment. Uh, is is changing in the way we do church, and I'm I'm, I'm thankful that that something like Amplify is is uh, getting getting off the ground. I think it's extremely helpful. Yeah. And so this segment was brought to you by Amplify Media. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. But you know, thinking, and that's that's kind of one of the things is like one of the things that I always look for when doing something like um, your books or something like that. Like, I love it when it's like the complete package, when I can have something that like, I don't have to spend time creating new, you know, new media or stuff like that. And I can just put it out there and like, look, like, look at me. I look really cool. Cause I have this really cool gift of the nutcracker logo stuff. And like, <laughs> all I did was just download it from the, you know, and, and, and that's helpful for, for churches and, and pastors that maybe don't have a staff person dedicated to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's important, especially in this day and age when, you know, like, you know, that's what everybody's doing and having great graphics and stuff like that. Being able to not spend time doing that is so helpful. Yeah. Um, and it's, the point is to equip pastors to mm-hmm. pastor, yeah, yeah. right. And, and to lead. So the, the, like, for example, one thing that we're working on here is, uh, cause we have a very 1950s model of, uh, church registration. Right, so you pass out the pew pad and people sign it illegibly. Right, so they sign the thing and they can't <laughs> read it anyway. And we have a volunteer that, that tears it out and then inputs it in a computer. And then about a day and a half later, I get the report of who was there, who wasn't there, that kind of thing. Now, if, if we could skip that step, mm-hmm. um, it's not just you know the the fun of because I love playing with technology. It's not just trying to be innovative in, in the way we do that, but if I don't have to wait a day and a half to get that report, that means I can be in ministry with people <laughs> during that day and a half, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we put all these products together, uh, not only because they're telling a good story uh, uh, and a good narrative, but it equips pastors to do what they're trained to do and right. to be pastors. You're not having to figure out the right media to share. You're not having to do a sermon from scratch. It's all you know, right there, you can give your leaders a DVD or an Amplify, you know, account. Uh, and that really frees you up to do what you're actually called to do, right. <laughs> which is to be with people, right? And, and to get them connected with Christ. So, and that's part of the name of the game is to equip pastors to be pastors. Right. You know? Well, and, and you know, you, I'm going to poorly attempt to try to tie this back into your book uh, <laughs> based on chapter right, titles man. alone. Yeah. Um, but when you look at, when you look at revolution, you look at, at change and changing how we do and uh, not why we do the why is the same, but it's, it's yeah. the how uh, change is tough in the church. Uh, and it and is right. And we're and, looking and, and, at shrinking, shrinking staff, 
need uh, that they're having to tend to. And so revolutionizing the way that we do ministry and prepare for the things that we can do. Yeah, it's huge. Exactly. Uh, and, and in the book, there, there is this commentary about revolution, right? About change, especially in the character of Marius, who is this French romantic. And, and what I mean by that is the latest thing he's heard is the most important. So he right. starts the story by being a fan of the monarchy. Uh, and then he's a big fan of Napoleon because his dad fought with Napoleon and he found out that he was lied to. But then he has his friends, uh, friends of the ABC, uh, which in French is uh, uh, Les Amis de Abbasse. Abbasse, it's a play on words, which means uh, the oppressed. So they're the friends of the oppressed, friends of the ABC. Um, and then he joins their rank, right? But then he falls in love with Cosette. And he's like, well, I don't want to fight, you know, and, and I want to, I you know, live with you. And then he goes back. And there's this all, you know, there's this commentary of, is the story really about whether you have a king or uh, a revolutionary guard or a despot or, you know, because if there's corruption in the system, it doesn't matter what, what form of government you have. Like it's mm -hmm. still, you know, and there's, especially France during that time, man, everything was turned upside down over and over and over again. And unfortunately, when we're not flexible enough, and when we're not prepared to recognize that change isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, in the book at least, it teaches that when you're out of options, there is only bloodshed that is left. Um, and you know, I'm, uh, let me, I'll put on my clergy collar for the church, right? You know, because sometimes we, we uh, the anxiety is so high mm -hmm. uh, that we feel like we have to win an argument, right? We have to, we have to win. We can't live into change. We have to, we have to preserve and protect and and, and win. Um, and, and Jesus has a really interesting um, teaching on, on what it means to win, right? There's a, there's a miracle at the beginning of Holy Week that isn't slated as a miracle. And I think that's unfortunate, right? So he goes into Jerusalem. Tension is high. Uh, there's lots of extra soldiers there. They're ready. He rides, you know, uh, a donkey into the city, which is him saying, I am the Messiah, right? I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm a king. I'm ready to go. Um, but there wasn't any bloodshed. And I find that fascinating because I know the disciples were packing, like right. because later in the story, you know, <laughs> Peter cuts off the guy's ear yep, you know, yep. with a sword. So there were swords there, but no one took out a no one took out a sword. Uh, Jesus, uh, even even you know, pushing back against the Pharisees and pushing back against Rome, there was relative peace. And I think that teaches us a lot about the role of what revolution is. When Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world," he's not talking about something that's up there and out there and in heaven. And you know, what he's saying is the world I'm building is not going to be built by the rules of Rome. Right. You know, right. Um, but yeah, navigating change is, is important, especially right now. Mm -hmm. um, when, when everything, our economic models, like last week um, I was in Los Angeles studying economic disturbance, like mm -hmm. Netflix versus Blockbuster. Right. Right. Blockbuster was ill-equipped <laughs> for yep. the revolution that, that yep. Netflix brought and, and disturbances uh, are sometimes really helpful because it, it reminds the system of what is necessary and, and what is not necessary. Uh, and we did a lot of work of thinking about what theological disturbance looks like. Uh, and that's fascinating. You know, sometimes it's just a grain of salt in the machinery of the world uh, that, that makes, makes, it makes a pearl, right? It makes all the difference. That aggravation eventually leads to beauty, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, a, it's a pain to be in the midst of the aggravation right. while it's happening. Right. Um, so yeah, so, so dealing with disturbance uh, and, and navigating the aggravation of change uh, is, is something 
that we need to be better at, <laughs> I mm -hmm. think, uh, frankly. Um, uh, and it will serve us well uh, moving into the future. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I, I, I like that. Oh, I like that disturbance. Because, uh, right, revolution doesn't come without cost. It doesn't come without yeah. growing pains. It doesn't come out without heartache. Uh, it's work. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just work. And uh, often, <laughs> often it seems like the church doesn't want to do that work or are afraid to do that work or, you know, whatever. There's, there's something there that holds us back from that, from that aggravation that we see, uh, we see and feel the Holy Spirit moving and agitating and doing these things. And yet we're going, uh, but, you know, right. this is the way we do it. And we, we're going to make people fit into our mold and they're going elsewhere. They're right. Going and and doing it's other like the, the, the middle of the, the 23rd Psalm, you know, yeah. yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes we err on the side of, uh, and God is with me, where, uh -huh. where God is like this protective blanket that holds us. And there's a time and a place, right? That, that yeah. That's an important lesson too. Uh, but there's also a lesson of like walking through the valley mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right. and going through going through that that darkness mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that place uh, and knowing that God is also with you there because it's, it's, it's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, like in the gospel of Mark, when Jesus comes out of the water, it says the spirit drove him to the right. wilderness. The spirit didn't politely ask him if he wanted to go. <laughs> right. It just, right. you know, it, it drove him into the wilderness. And that's, you know, and I'm also fascinated that Jesus's ministry and mission began with fasting and prayer. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Uh, but yeah. sometimes it takes being driven to an unfamiliar place uh, mm -hmm. or the, 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 the grain of sand in the machinery of the world to disturb it just enough to, for it to find its purpose. Right. Well, I think that that's where in the church, we're so afraid of failure. Um, oh sure and yeah. the failure is is bad and and this is something we've been talking around here is that like we're gonna do things and it's not gonna work and we're just gonna have to like um all right so this is why it didn't work and understand like why it didn't work but then come back again and say all right so we're gonna do something like this but a lot different because obviously you all responded with the way that you didn't show up and so we want to do something differently and so i think like the whole idea of the culture of innovation like we need to breed that within our church of saying, like telling our youth people or our children's people, like take some risk, shake it up a little bit, do something different. And it's okay. Like um, I think we've become so protective of the things mm -hmm. that we forget that we're really called to be this continual innovation and this continual growth of, of dying and being resurrected and, you know, being renewed and being reborn. I mean, like, man, it's all right there. Um, for us, like, you know, the, the way to make the church better, it's all right there. We just like, we just err on the side of that. Like you said, like caution, like we're more concerned about being cautioned than we are. Right. About. And I do think there needs to be a healthy, a healthy dose, dose of uh, affirmation, right? You know, if I'm going to risk and I fail, uh, right. am I now going to be kicked out? Am I never going to yeah. be asked to lead again? You know, am I going to be right. shipped to uh, Timbuktu to be the right. pastor in Nowheresville? You know, if, right. if, if, if I, if mm -hmm. I fail, um, so there, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the, of the shadow of death, thou art with me. So there is an important lesson in terms of the comfort of, um, I need to be given permission to fail, uh, and, and be given an opportunity to try again, you know, and that, especially just in kind of the ecosystem of kind of where we are, you know, failing isn't rewarded. Uh, and, and I think that's, uh, that makes me sad because 99 bad ideas get you to the one that changes the world. Right. Right. And, and you have to. I don't know what bad I, I'm probably on idea number 73, like bad idea number 73, right. you know, and I need, I need the confidence to know that I'll, I'll get uh, several more tries to, to get to the thing that, that changes the world. So yeah, for I, sure. 
Yeah. Well, that, that ties in with the, with the black and white of, of the story mm-hmm. and the characters in the story of it's black and white, it's black and white, it's this or that. And then that ethical dilemma of gray area that sits in between that of, is this right? Is this wrong? Is what I've always been told uh, living in this gray area that, you know, in these moments we need to do this which is contrary to what everybody's ever told me that's wrong, right? Uh, But in this moment, it's right. Yeah, I love it. Even when we look at our own story, right? So the the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. The last book of the Hebrew scriptures is Malachi. And it talks about the Messiah. It talks about fire and the wicked will be turned to rubble and the great and terrible day of the Lord. And then Jesus appears on the scene. He even catches John the Baptist by surprise. Because like John the Baptist is like, okay, you're going to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. He goes, actually, no. (laughs) <laughs> like here's you're gonna the baptize thing. me yeah i mean yeah. so here's the i know you read malachi and i know that you're primed for the great and terrible day of the lord right. uh, but this is how this is going to start you're going to baptize me uh, and then i'm going to go in the wilderness for 40 days yeah like can you imagine if someone asked you to plant a church and you said you know it's great i'm going to go now be alone i'm not going to file any paperwork i'm not going to give you a strategic plan i'm going to go in the wilderness for 40 days right. and not eat anything right you know like that's on the surface sounds like a really bozo plan. So even at the very beginning, Jesus's ministry was counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, even the disciples, the, the whole story, man, the disciples are a bunch of numbskulls in, in the <laughs> gospel of Mark, man. They, they don't get it. You know, Jesus <laughs> even, I love it. He's so frustrated. He's like, how long, oh Lord? How mm-hmm. long must I be with you numbskulls? Yeah, yeah. You're not getting this. Yep. You know, um, you know, failure. Oh my gosh, the gospel and failure. Um, put yourself in the perspective of the, of the disciples. Right. You know, hey, Jesus, this town didn't accept us. So, you know, call, call the fire down. Yep. And Jesus is like, oy vey, like, that's not how this works. <laughs> you know, shake the dust off your feet and, and, and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even in the resurrection, Mary mistakes Jesus as a gardener. Right. Like there's this constant, uh, which I would argue is not a case of mistaken identity. She sees Jesus for who Jesus really is. Sure. Uh, because God's first act was planting a garden. Uh, so of course she thinks Jesus is a gardener because she's actually seeing Christ for who Christ is, the one that offers life, the offer you know, cultivation and growth and, and these kind of things. Yeah. I, one of my favorite ways to describe Jesus and his relationship with the disciples is one of a frustrated parent of just, I can't find my shoes. How many oh, times <laughs> How long you to put your yeah. shoes up? You know, you only have two sandals, Peter. Why can you not find? <laughs> That's right. Just show us, show us a miracle, you or pick the up the I Lego. Just did? <laughs> like, yeah, like pick yes. up the Lego. Were you not the there yesterday? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Did you not see me see the? Uh, you know, feed the five thousand. You want me to do it again? Okay. <laughs> Come on, man. What, what other oh. sign? And I love it because you know the only sign that you're going to be given is the sign of Jonah. Uh, back to here, we're bringing it back to Jonah. Perfect. And the sign of Jonah is not three days in the belly of a fish. The sign of Jonah is forgiveness. Yeah, redemption. You yeah. want you want to see a miracle? Then live into forgiveness mm-hmm. and live into grace, mm-hmm. and that will be the sign that is given to you. That's the sign of Jonah is redemption. Right. You know right. that's the miracle. Yep. So uh, we could we could definitely talk for days on all sorts of things. <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. Definitely, I mean, I know we could, um, but we probably should wrap it up. Um, and so the the book is the Grace of Les Misérables. You can find it at uh, Cokesbury or Amplify Media or Amazon. Um, you know, wherever anywhere you, good books are sold. Yeah, anywhere good books are sold. Um, and you know, Matt, we we thank you for your time, and you're always welcome to come back and um, 
and, and talk with us, uh, you know, when the next book comes out, whenever that is. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, We're you know. working on it, working on it. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. This is always, this is always a, a blessing uh, uh, to me just to, to hang out with y'all for a few. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we appreciate your time and, and efforts and, and all that you're doing. Uh, it's Thank super you. fun. So, uh, and I like when you do videos because then you look enough like me that I can just put them up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> my church yes. is like, yes. oh, Zach's out of town again. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. You know, yes. the, the, I did recently trim my beard, so I have to grow it back for, for, for next time so that uh, the bald <laughs> and the beard will be uh, it's perfect. feng shui with each other. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Um, so I'm going to encourage you to go on our website and we'll have a link to uh, where you can uh, pick up Matt's book um, on our website at beardedtheologians.com. Uh, feel free to pick up a, a, a hat or something else uh, through our buy stuff uh, things. And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians Beardcast. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians or look at our other content, go online at beardedtheologians.com. And also don't forget to pick up one of those beautiful coffee mugs or t-shirts that we have on our website as well.